Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hey there, friends, and welcome back. Thanks for joining us again today for our excursion into Jeremiah chapter number five. Actually going to finish finish the chapter today, so looking forward to that. Got a postcard here from Seville or Sevilla, Spain, from my really good friends and our missionaries, Mike and Deanna Staley. This is the Plaza de España in Sevilla. And so thank you for sending this beautiful postcard, friends. Appreciate that. Last time we were together, we were traipsing around Israel together. What a blessing that was. Hey, uh, Jeremiah chapter 5, let's look up at a verse we actually ended with last episode, which is verse number 25, where the Bible says, Your iniquities have turned away these things. And these things refer back to the blessings of agricultural success, rain and the growing of the crops and good seasons of harvest. And what Jeremiah, through the Lord's word, was reminding God's people about was, hey, these bad times that you're experiencing, uh, this horrible season of, of, of drought that they were facing is it's your fault, your, your iniquities. And, and God had told them way back in Deuteronomy when Moses had preached those messages to that generation, that second generation that was going into the promised land and said, if you forget about me, if you stop obeying me, if you turn your hearts away from me, that I'm going to get your attention through these means. The point here is that God's people should already have recognized that they were far from God. The, the stoppage of the rain, the economic woes that they had gone through themselves should have been an alarm clock for God's people. And they should not have needed for Jeremiah to come and make these messages. They should not have needed this level of warning from God. Because God had already told them, when my alarm clock goes off on this on your economy, you'll know that I'm trying to get your attention. But so stubborn were they that they were sleeping right through their alarm clock, weren't they? And the Bible says in verse number 25, your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. What a statement. Your sins have withholden good things from you. You know, sin and the temptation that brings us into sin advertises, hey, this is good for you. This will bring good things in your life. This will satisfy you. This will bring you fun. This will bring you pleasure. This will shortcut your road to success or whatever the lie is. Remember Satan's initial temptation to Eve no, God knows in the day that you eat thereof, you're going to be like God's. Uh, this is, it'll be great. Don't worry about it. There's no consequence. And yet the exact opposite is true because sin is not a good thing. Sin is a bad thing. 
And sin as a bad thing keeps us from the good things that God has for us. And so it's the biggest switcheroo ever invented by the devil. And that is he promises us good that's really bad. And the bad that he promises uh, as good keeps us from the good that we would have had. How sad is that? And this is a pithy reminder in verse number 25 of that very truth. Look at verse number 26. For among my people are found wicked men. God is beginning to describe the population of Jerusalem and its environs. Uh, Among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait. This is a description of their wickedness. They lay wait as he that setteth snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. So what is the point that God is making here? The point is that his people are acting in an evil way. And their evil is, and the point here of these verses, is that their evil is premeditated. They are being willfully deceitful for the purpose of taking advantage of other people. And their end game is because they want to get rich and powerful and famous and blah, blah, blah. And they're willing to step on other people to get it. And that's what's wicked. That, that's what the Bible says there in verse number 26. Among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait. See, there's the premeditation. Uh, there's the planning and the waiting and the deceitfulness taking advantage of. And nothing invites the judgment of God more quickly than when God's people take advantage of uh, those that are weak and vulnerable. Throughout the Bible, God makes it clear No, I defend widows. I defend the fatherless. I will take up the cause of the poor and the needy. And so when we offend the least of these, boy, we're offending God, aren't we? We are offending God himself. And God said, I will not put up with this because as you treat them, really, this is the way that you're treating me. And that's the way by by which God has given us an opportunity to love him. On the, on the flip side of it. And that is, uh, in as much as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And so we love God by loving people that can give us nothing in return. But we offend God by offending these. It must needs be that offenses come, but woe be unto that man by whom the offense cometh. And that verse uh, there in the Gospels is all about taking advantage of the weak and the vulnerable, in that specific case, children uh, who are susceptible to deceit. Look at verse number 25. They are waxen fat. And fatness in the Bible is a symbol of luxury and of fullness. And so they have become rich and, and fat and successful uh, on the backs of those of whom they've taken advantage. Look at verse number 28. They are waxen fat. They shine. Yes, or yea. They overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper, and the right of the needy do they not judge. 
So what's happened is not only are they taking advantage of others in a business sense, not only are they stepping on the vulnerable in a, I'm going to climb the ladder on your backs sense, but also they are establishing an entire system, including a corrupt judicial system where these things are easier and easier to do. And so they're really taking justice and judgment and turning it right upside down. And they're creating loopholes and for their corporations and loopholes uh, for the judicial system and uh, they're bribing and they're just setting up an entire apparatus whereby they are taking advantage of the weak and the vulnerable. Look at verse number 29. Shall I not visit for these things? So again, a similar question to what we saw previously in the chapter, but God is essentially saying here, isn't isn't it right and just for me to do something about this? I mean, no one's defending them. No one's helping them. These people are just being um, ramrodded with deceit and and oppression. Shouldn't, shouldn't I take care of this? Wouldn't that be the right thing for me to do? Again, framed in a question so that there's really no, any, anybody that has any semblance of conscience would have to say, of course, this is the right thing for God uh, to come to the defense of these people. So shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul, I love that language. The Lord is saying the very essence of who I am. Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? You are, you are affecting me, says the Lord, at the very heart-soul level. I have a heart for. I desire to defend and to protect and ultimately to save these that are being trampled on by you, wicked men. Verse number 30 a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. Now, when the Bible says wonderful in the Old English, you and I look at that word like wonderful is a good thing. But wonder here, wonderful simply means astonishing, like a wonder, like I wonder about that. So a wonderful and a horrible thing is this. In other words, this is shocking. That's the way we would say it today. This is shocking. This is shockingly bad. Verse number 31, the prophets, here's what's shockingly bad. The prophets prophesy falsely. It's shocking that people that are supposed to be the communicators of truth, people that are supposed to be representing God are actually using their office to lie for their own personal benefit. Do we see that today? People that are vested with preaching the word of God that are doing so not for God, not for truth, but for themselves, for a paycheck, for uh, whatever, for power, uh, prophesy, prophesying falsely. Then the Bible says, and the priests bear rule by their means. Uh, so uh, they are ruling not out of humility, not out of a sense of obligation to their calling from God, but for their power, for power for prestige, for position. So the prophets are lying. 
the priests are abusing their role and simply intoxicated with power. And then the worst part of this, the thing that we should be, that is so shockingly horrible is this, where the Bible says, and my people love to have it so. The general population is like, yeah, we, we, we like these prophets. Why? They tell us what we want to hear. Uh, we don't care if it's a lie. We don't want to. We, our fingers are in our ears. We don't want to know the truth. They tell us what we want to hear, and that's fine. They make us feel good. And the priests, yeah, they're corrupt, and uh, they're rich, and uh, they're, they're kind of self-serving, but it's okay because uh, we kind of like this religious system that kind of lets us do what we want and go where we want, worship what we want, and have the pleasures we want. And uh, we're, we're fine with this system. We're fine with these messages. Wow, what a shockingly horrible thing that is. Reminds me, really, of 2 Timothy chapter 4, where the Bible says, they shall heed to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. We're living in a generation where people love false messages. Even down deep in their heart, they know well, that's not the truth, but I like to hear it. And they like their religious establishments. They like a religion that basically is an accoutrement for their life because it doesn't force them to repent and do anything that goes against what they want to do. The people love to have it so. And the Bible says, and what will ye do in the end thereof? Now, that's the great question. Okay, yeah, you might like the preaching. You might like the religious system. You might love to have it this way. But what are you going to do when judgment comes? What are you going to do when God shows up through the Babylonian captivity? What will you do then with all of your falsity, with all of your pleasure, with all of your rejection of God? It will be a dark day then. That's the end of chapter number five. We'll jump into a brand new chapter next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.